Welcome in listeners to another episode of the Busby Babe podcast. I'm your host, Colin Dams, joined once again by Nathan Heinschel and Polly Questel. And uh, Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer is out. Um, it was made official Sunday morning, um, but was decided Saturday evening after an emergency meeting of the board of directors that he would depart the club. Uh, Michael Carrick will take over as interim manager as the search for a permanent manager goes on. Um, yeah, it, it did not slap quite like Jose out day. Um, in fact, it was quite the opposite. It was uh, much more of a mournful tone. And uh, I would say at least rightfully so, because whether you thought positively about his tactics or not, whether you thought positively about his man-manager approach or not, I think most of us wanted Ali to be the one to take us to the next level. And the pain of realizing that that's not the case over the last few months has really, really sucked. Yeah, it it was also a relief that we don't need to see this anymore because this wasn't in in all the previous calls for his head it was always a little rash and a little you know we're, you're not looking at the bigger picture here in that well, oh yeah it took him he didn't win a trophy in his first year and it's like yeah he took over a bad squad and that needed rebuilding that and the decisions he made Every decision he made in his three years, he put Manchester United first. And there are very few, if any, other people out there that would do that. Because everyone else understands that a manager lasts three, two, three, four years now, and then they're gone. And for everybody else, it's, let me get something to put on my resume and make sure that the decisions that I made show are going to help me win so that I can go and apply for my next job. Because if I've been here for a year and a half, odds are in a year and a half or in two years, I'm going to be looking for another job. And Ali Gunnar Solskjaer was different. He, every decision he made, he put United first. And the decisions he made in the summer of 2019 made it more difficult for him, for United to win a trophy in 2019 and 20. But it, the, the purpose was to make it, hopefully, build a squad that has a better chance of winning a trophy in 2020-21 and 21-22 and 23-24, rather than what previous managers had done and built a squad that had a good chance of winning this year and maybe next year, but after that, we're going to need to build it again. So, uh, yeah, everybody wanted him to be the one to succeed and and do this. And this season, it's just been painfully obvious that it's it's not happening. And there's problems within the squad. And a lot of it is decisions he made. Some of it might have been influenced by those above him, as they've been known to do that. Uh, we don't really know what David Moyes felt about Wayne Rooney 
But when Ed Woodward took over, his Sir Alex Ferguson, if, if Sir Alex Ferguson stayed for another season, Wayne Rooney would have been out of the club. That was what Ferguson was trying to do at the end of the 2013 season was usher him out. He was basically telling you that this guy's this guy's done. And for all intents and purposes, he was. He had a fantastic. Sorry, I know Colin doesn't want to hear this, but he had a fantastic first half of the season under David Moyes. And then he never really got to that level again. But Ed Woodward came in and said, I'm not my first move is not going to be losing Wayne Rooney. And he gave him this massive uh, new contract. And who knows how much Alexis Sanchez was really wanted by that, the regime that was in charge there, but United saw the commercial opportunity there and foisted him upon that manager. So this board has been known to create a plan and then at the last minute pivot away from the plan and that happened this summer but also there were there were obvious flaws and obvious holes in the squad and then the coaching that also existed regardless of who arrived and United and and Ali Gunnar Solskjaer did not address that this summer and those flaws have only been magnified this season and by the time October rolled around you could just see it that he didn't know how to fix this problem and it wasn't going to get better. And as much as we all wanted him to succeed, there's now relief that he is not on the chopping block or not in the firing range anymore that, that it's over. But as Colin said, it there's, there's not the joy that we had under Mourinho and, I, I keep saying this is the least enjoyable United team I've seen in quite a while. And that's including the Van Gaal teams and including the Mourinho teams. And the Van Gaal teams were really, really bad and really boring. The Mourinho teams were really bad. But with Mourinho, I knew eventually it would end and it would get better when it ended. Right now, I knew, okay, eventually Ollie's going to get the sack because... This isn't good, but I don't really have much confidence that this is going to get better that that quickly. I guess as the resident vibes guy, um, <laughs> I'll point out the obvious, as you guys have said, too. The vibes aren't great right now. Um, of course, uh, for us on the East Coast of the United States, we went into Saturday night uh, with me posting BoJack memes on the, on the Busby Bay Twitter Account. Yeah, by the way, I haven't finished that show yet, so now that's kind of spoiled for me. <laughs> Sorry. I mean... And Nathan can't be responsible for that. Sir, that's the most perfect it's, meme for It's been out two years now. I, yeah. Anybody who's had, like, a healthy relationship end, that's the most, like, perfect meme. It just, it, it like, cuts you right to the core, Baxter. Um, but... I, I am filled with a lot of the same emotions that you guys have described as well. Um, so much so that <laughs> I put uh, fingers to keyboard for once, and I, uh, I I wrote something for the Busby Babe yesterday where um, I certainly feel pretty raw about it, and I, I just felt like that was the perfect outlet in a weird way. You know, it's kind of encapsulated my career a little bit at the Busby Babe. I just celebrated three years um, here last month, and you know, I started talking, my first articles were about 
who's going to replace Jose Mourinho when it was inevitable that he was going to leave. And now I'm writing a thank you, Ollie letter because his reign is ending. And so that was, that was definitely a bummer. I, I share um, a lot of the same feelings that you guys have as far as like Ollie was the guy that I wanted to succeed. And I'm devastated that it didn't work out. What I'm more devastated by is the things that were outside of his control that made this situation fester to the point that it was at, you know, like right now in the fallout of things, it looks like a total mess. When you see these reports of Michael Carrick's going to take over for the champions league game and the game against the number one team in the league this week. And then United's working on signing an interim manager who will then get the team to the rest of the season. So we're going to, re- we're going to have Michael Carrick coach like two games. We're going to replace Michael Carrick. And then we're going to hopefully get our full-time guy for the summer. So we're going to have like three man- managerial changes inside. It's of- worse than that. It's it's they gave the manager an extension a few months ago and then are going to have another manager for two games and then another one for the rest of the season. And then it's going to be four managers inside of a year, which yeah. is pathetic and also just not even remotely surprising given the way that this club is run. Yeah. Well, and the problem is, is the writing was on the wall three weeks ago. After that Liverpool game, it was over. I, I think for all intent and purposes, we can all agree that that was it. So instead of ripping the Band-Aid off, we did the Manchester City game. And after the Manchester City game, it was like, okay, this is definitely over. What are we doing? And they just kept kept it going. And so now we've seen the ineptitude ramp up to another degree. We just had an international break. You know, like I don't, we could have brought in whoever the interim interim manager was going to be ahead of the international break. And maybe we wouldn't have come out and, you know, looked like a wet dog fart against Watford, a team that um, is being coached by Claudio Ranieri because they've already fired a manager this year. And they looked like City and they looked like Liverpool against us. And that was it's very disheartening to watch because, like Paulie said, I don't know. You know, whoever whoever's going to helm this ship for outside of the next week and a half, uh, I I don't know what the first steps are going to be as far as getting this team to play it uh, together and in a way that was when Ali came in and took over, where all of a sudden, boom, they played against uh, Cardiff, right? Yeah, Cardiff, and they blew him out of the water, and it was like, oh wow, this team is finally like. Now that the guys of Jose Mourinho is gone, they can, you know, play within themselves again and enjoy their football. Whereas, like, now, who who's that person that you bring in? Because you've already – you brought in the vibes guy already. So you can't play that card twice, and you're not going to be able to find a better vibes guy to fix the situation at the team right now. So I, I, I'm certainly I'm, – I'm disheartened that I've seen this person who – provided me so much joy when he became manager. You know, we've got the 3-1 in Paris. We have all these different signature results for Ollie, even if it didn't bring a trophy. So to see that era come to an end is, you know, I'm sad by it. Um, But I'm also equally sad knowing that the future, the immediate future is very, very uncertain. And it could end very, very poorly. And 
as far as the reports are concerned right now, I don't know that I'm filled with much uh, relief knowing that in the next six months we'll at least be in better hands. Well, that's that's kind of the thing is that all the reports now are all over the place. It's like before we even before we even get to that comment, all right, all right. it's just it's such a joke to have Michael Carrick be in charge for the next two games because what do you do if you are Michael Carrick here? You're in this situation where if you basically if you if you drop the players who Ollie trusted and turned to game after game and play the players who weren't getting their shot. You're basically, you're almost throwing him under the bus. If, if you, if you are dropping them because you genuinely say, well, I, you know, I run the training sessions and they are better. And then if that is the case, now you've got a lot of issues in terms of, okay, like, so if, if these guys are really performing that well in training where Carrick and McKenna are the guy, we know that they're the guys and, and less so Ollie. We know Ollie is there in training. We see the pictures and everything. He's not an absent coach. He's just not the one leading the training session. So if they really were performing, somehow Ollie wasn't seeing it or Ollie wasn't listening to his other coaches when all the stories that we've heard for three years have been about Ollie giving a bigger role to this department and that department and the scouts and the data and this, and really making it so that everybody's voice was heard and being receptive to what people had to say and, and different areas of the club and, and all the things that they had to offer. And then, so you're either going to basically put all that into question by being like, Oh, we're playing, we're dropping a bunch of players and we're playing different guys. Either, because Carrick wasn't listened to, which I, I just, I feel like if you're Carrick and McKenna and you've been telling Ollie this pl- player X or player Y has been um, very good in training and they need to be on the pitch and Ollie just continues to not pick them, you would have resigned eventually. Uh, you would have just been like, I can't work for this guy. He's not, he's not listening to me. He's putting me in charge of running the training sessions and then he's not listening to my feedback ab- about them. So like, what's, what, what the heck's the point? And I mean, and Ollie is a diligent guy. Like even if he missed training, there's no chance that he's a guy that checked up on the Academy. He checked up on the women's team. He checked up on every, there's no chance he'd let a training session go by without getting a diligent report from someone that was there to find out exactly what's happening. Or, you go in the other direction where they've all been on the same page and Carrick is now in charge of picking a team where he's got to pick what he thinks can win. And that's, he's got the same view as Ollie in this situation, in which case he's picking the same damn players that we know have been a disaster recently. And if it's, if it's the tactical sessions of Carrick and McKenna that, that the players aren't following when, when, What's to say that they're going to suddenly start following them when Carrick's in charge rather than Ollie? They know Carrick's not going to be here long-term, or, or he might be here long-term. They know he's not going to be the manager long-term. So this is a very important game. Maybe not the Chelsea match because you're not going to win the title this season, and top four is ultimately the, object- the objective. And if you drop three points to the number one team in the league, that's – Bad, but not a disaster, although it's 
it's bad because you've already dropped points to Liverpool and City as well. But the Champions League is a big game. If you don't win this game, a, a draw is not the end of the world. But if you lose, you're putting yourself in a very dicey situation once again, just like last season where maybe we got a new manager by then and he's been in charge for, what, two games and now he faces a must-win game to go through? It, this is a- Although, to be fair, that last game ideally is the easier one. I mean, Yes, but it's also the game that we lost. Yes. And young boys should have done better in this group. And if young boys can go out and get a draw this week, we're already in a better situation because then it won't be as, as difficult for us. Um, but at the end of the day, this is young boys. When you looked at the group, you said young boys could take points off of a few teams here. And if that happened, we'd be in a good position, but it's turning out to be exactly the way that, Last year's group was where Istanbul Basak's year only took points off of one team, and that was United, and that's why United went home. So, so far, young boys have only taken points off of one team. It's to to put Carrick in charge for this match. It's just it it just seems like so naive, and 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 it's it's another indictment on the board that. They weren't planning for this in any way, shape, or form, despite looking at at the results and and not just the results, the process and how we got there. But then again, have they been looking at the process and how we got there for three years? Because anybody could have told you we needed a midfielder this season, and somehow we never had the money for one. So, yeah. So. talking about the situation where we're getting an interim post interim and reports now are suggesting all sorts of things. There's probably seven managers that we've been linked with um, over the last 24 hours or so. Um, The ones that are coming in now though, are suggesting that there's the potential that Pochettino would want out of PSG now if Manchester United were willing to pay a fee to, you know, get him out of there and that PSG would maybe want Zidane uh, to come in instead. Uh, Pochettino, somebody who's been linked with Manchester United for a long time now, um, a lot of people kind of expected him to be the one to come in after Solskjaer in 2019 uh, before Solskjaer was made permanent manager kind of late in the season. But... I kind of, I mean, of the managers that we're linked with, I think Pochettino's one or two on the list. But I do have this fear that maybe Pochettino is old news now. I mean, is that something shared by everyone, or is that is that me like just being a pessimistic? Point that a few times. Mm, I think old news is harsh. Okay. I think old Not news is harsh. The ball. I'd. My thing about Pochettino is he's very similar to Ollie. And I've always thought uh, he was a little bit better than Ollie, but not, oh my God, we need to sack Ollie and hire Pochettino right now because he's available right. better. And, kudos, and, kudos. and also, both of them are in the same camp of getting a team close to the next level, but not quite there. Right. 
And Ali never the thing about the thing is uh, like this United team wasn't ready to compete for the title anyway, and then they collapsed mirac or spectacularly, which because they don't have the structure in place and and United's outlook and and part of this is Solskjaer, and part of this is the board. Their outlook on things has been, oh, we're weak in this area. Get a player for that area. We are weak in attack. You sign the Jaden Sancho. That's an attacking player. He'll help. We're weak in defense. We need to buy a center back. Whereas you look at Chelsea and Thomas Tuchel comes in and they become very good defensively. And if at the start of the season, a lot of neutral pundits were saying, yes, Chelsea's very good, but when will the, the division between Tuchel and the board start? Because that seems to happen wherever he goes. But also, Chelsea got where they were last year, especially defensively, with players like Rudiger and Christensen playing so much better than they'd ever played before. And how long can that form last? And, well, spoiler alert, it's almost Thanksgiving, and that form has lasted. And that form has lasted because Chelsea are not asking Rudiger and Christensen to bail them out of things. They are defending before the ball gets to them. They've made their job very simple because they have this unbelievable structure in place. They literally just said, hey, if we put the structure in place, that'll improve our defense. Whereas United said, oh, defense bad, sign center back. Structure ignored. And will Pochettino come in and, and bring in a better structure? Probably. Maybe. But his structure has always been very similar to Solskjaer's. He plays a 4-2-3-1. He plays uh, with that with a striker who drops uh, who drops deeper to facilitate possession. Uh, he's got his playmaker who can also burst forward and be the, the most forward player as the number 10. Um it, and on one of the wings, whether it's the left wing or the right wing, he's got less a winger and more a playmaker. That was where Christian Eriksen was. That'd be Paul Pogba, where when Ali started playing him on the left wing. And then on the other side, he had more of a forward winger type, whether it was Lucas Moore or Lamella, et cetera. And that'd be a Rashford or a Sancho, et cetera. And then in midfield, he had the very sturdy, the very dependable Dembele and, and Dyer. Uh, he mixed Wanyama in there at times, although he wasn't that great. Uh, Sissoko was, you know, your big, burly Scott McTominay. Um, very solid defensively, but also like his wing, his, his fullbacks were basically wingbacks. They had to bomb forward. And Luke Shaw can do that, but can he get up and back? Aaron Wan-Bissaka, we know, less so going forward. Like, the pieces, Solskjaer, and so like structurally, he's always been similar, but may, Pochettino could definitely instruct the players better, I think. It's clear that Solskjaer was lacking in that area, but you would also need players like Greenwood and Rashford to buy in immediately to Pochettino and become very good pressing-wise because that's what Pochettino does. He does that high press, and he's very good at it, one of the best in the world. But I was talking to Sawaid earlier today, and as he and he said, this is for him. Like in possession, he's no Tuchel or Guardiola, and that's where you need. Like that's where Spurs were very good because Harry Kane was 
good with his head and Harry Kane can do magical things um, and, and make something out of nothing often. And they were very potent on set pieces because when it if 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 they didn't get you on the press, they struggled against low blocks the same way that Ollie did. And you're now relying on the same kind of players who struggle against low blocks. The difference being you have Cristiano Ronaldo. That also might make it very hard for Pochettino to install his high pressing system. If you've got a player who doesn't do that, in which case Pochettino has to adapt. We don't know if he could do that. I think that's the most curious thing about this whole thing. Knowing, because uh, another report also that we haven't mentioned yet that's popped up today is now Edward Ward apparently is going to delay him leaving. Um, I made a joke about Caesar crossing the Rubicon. Do with that what you will. Um, so Edward Ward, for all intent and purposes, has been enamored with Pochettino. That was like the guy that he really wants. Obviously, we found ourselves in a situation three months ago where we had at all costs to get Cristiano Ronaldo because we couldn't let him be a city player. He had to be a Manchester United player. And so you're going to have these two kind of boring ideas where it's like, if you go and get Pochettino and this is the guy that you have to have, he's not going to mesh with Ronaldo. I think that's going to be a pretty sour relationship pretty quickly. So then, you know, if you're Pochettino, it's like, are you going to be backed? If you're like, you're not a starter. I'm not going to start you. You're a super sub. There's no chance I'm letting you play 90-minute games, 75-minute games. How how long until the board, you know, gets a queasy stomach over that? And then all of a sudden we find ourselves in a situation again where a manager's at odds and things aren't getting done the way that need to be done on the pitch. I feel like that's yeah. a situation where, like, outrage might have to be generated by the media. Because Cristiano Ronaldo is a brand that's going to sell itself. So, like, selling shirts, bobbleheads, whatever the hell – Manchester United want to sell off of Ronaldo sponsorship deals, whatnot. That's going to keep going whether he plays or not. I think it kind of already was even before he returned because, you know, as we know, this is a club that loves to push its past as much as it's present, probably more so. They've weaponized but it at this point. Every, if, if he, if anyone comes in and benches Cristiano Ronaldo, it's a story right away. The media will make it be, the biggest thing in the world. That's going to be the only thing people will talk about. I don't, so, and the question is, is there a manager out there with the stones to come in and bench Cristiano Ronaldo? And I do not think that there is, but I also don't think you have to. Antonio Conte, probably. <laughs> but you don't have to. You just have to put the right system around him and use the right players. And that means some of your favorite players aren't going to play. Like, so like there are people that's, that, you know, are like, oh, if Ollie's still in charge next year, like Alex Tell is going to leave. Like, cool. I'll, I'll freaking pack Alex Tellez' bags for him because he's garbage. And it says so much that Diogo Dalot, who is a bad right back and an even worse left back, has now twice. Luke Shaw has been subbed out of three games for injuries this season. And twice, Diogo Dalot has been the guy that's come on instead of Alex Tellez. Even now, I did I did mean to check earlier today the Aston Villa match. I don't know if Tellez was in the squad, but like if he wasn't in the squad, it's because Solskjaer went, oh, if we need to sub off Shaw, like I have Diogo Dolo in the squad. He can go for either one of the fullbacks. 
against Villarreal when we were searching, when we were pushing for a winner. And the one thing Alex Telles has going for him is, oh, he's a very good attacking fullback. He was subbed off for Fred, who did end up playing the ball that led to the winner. So, Big yeah, like Fred. Alex Telles can 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 get out of here. But the whole the thing is, is that new managers will come in and it might not be the players that you want playing. Like they might come in and look and say, oh, I need Fred in the team. And I need this. I need right now. Everybody's calling for Harry Maguire to get dropped. I, I think any manager will come in and say, Oh, Harry Maguire, your first choice center back. Um, and Oh, why isn't Diogo Dolot playing at right back? Because Juan Bissaka is terrible in possession. It's like, well, a new manager might come in and look, well, Diogo Dolot, you're garbage too. I'm going to play Juan Bissaka. This is like, like when, when the starting 11 got, released on Sunday for the Spurs match. Spurs fans were like, wait, uh, where is like Ndombele? And like, where are the good players? Like, where are the guys that we want to see? And someone like someone tweeted, that's not like Antonio Conte is not going to come in like and play your favorites. He's going to come in and put and get wins. And it doesn't matter who he's playing. Like, and he's not going to apologize for who he uses to do that. Like a new manager doesn't always mean you're going to, you're going to see the players you want to get drop, drop and the players that you want to play play. I will say Pochettino is more confrontational and he, he seems to freeze people out when they're in the final year of their contract. He did that with Erickson. He did that with Kyle Walker. He was starting to do that with Toby Alderweireld. So there is a very good chance that next season, like as Suede was so Wade and I were discussing this this afternoon. Like next He's not season, even going to talk to Pogba then. He, yeah. So that's exactly. Yeah, we'll get to him in a second. Was, um, is he might freeze out? He might start to phase Ronaldo out next season. But it's hard to imagine him coming in and doing that right away. It's hard to imagine anybody coming in and doing that right away because if it doesn't work, that's what you're known for, and you're going to be out the door. But yeah. yes, as Nathan mentioned, like then you have Paul Pogba who's in the final year of his deal. And it'd be interesting because I think any manager is going to come in and do one of two things. They're either just not going to play Paul Pogba because they're going to be like, you're unsigned and you, everybody says you want to leave. I, I'm sure they will not come in and base this off of what the fans and the media say. I'm sure that when they arrive, they will have a conversation with Paul Pogba and actually hear the words from himself privately where he can tell the truth and doesn't have to play the I'm looking for money and a contract in the media game, but they are either going to not play him because, Oh, you're trying to leave and you're not going to be here next year. So I should start preparing for life without you. Or he's probably going to get instilled in the squad and become a very integral member. And they're going to, and and he's going to make it one of his first big things is a push to give the guy a new contract. I don't – so Wade was saying, like, oh, I think he'll just phase him out right away because he's in this, the final year of his contract, and I could see him doing that. But I also think it's a different story because he was he didn't enter the final year of his contract under Mauricio Pochettino. Like, he entered it under Ali Gunnar Solskjaer, and now Pochettino's arriving. That changes things. Maybe it makes Pogba want to stay more. Maybe it makes him want to leave more. Especially if Zidane takes the PSG job. <laughs> It just doesn't sound like anybody wants to be at PSG, though. You know, I, mean, I, I think the thing that we're not we're not giving enough credence to, which is hilarious to me, there is a situation right now 
for Mauricio Pochettino inside of a calendar year might be both the manager of Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo. Like he's actually living FIFA. (laughs) I think that happens regardless, whether the calendar year is 2021 or the calendar year is 2022. It's psychotic. By the way, um, can we also offer Ronaldo as a potential swap deal in the Mauricio Pochettino deal? <laughs> Ronaldo for Pochettino, who says no? Yeah. Or, like, I don't know. Maybe Ronaldo, Ronaldo is I like saw a report for Messi and I Pochettino. saw a report today that said it would cost, United would have to pay a £10 million pound compensation. So basically the transfer fee. It would be £10 yeah. million pounds to land Pochettino. Uh, for context... Ten million pounds is what we paid Alexis Sanchez last season to not play for us. Hell yeah! I mean, if they if that is real and the United board say no, because yeah, of how do you say no there? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but if I were Mauricio Pochettino, if I were Mauricio Pochettino, I would agree to a deal. I would I would be calling my agent and saying, get me a deal with Manchester United right now. To start next summer, I would not touch. I would not walk in here in in December. It's it's not just the current squad. It's it's the current squad which has so many holes. And like you look at the the midfield that Tottenham had that Pochettino built at Tottenham and used as the base for his team. And and basically right now where he's got these three forwards that don't do a lot of defensive work, and he's got the midfield to support that with Ander Herrera and um, Verratti. And, yeah, and, uh, who's the other? Who is that? That big, that big, yeah, him. Like he's got the the shithousers in that midfield to do the job. Really like does. he's, you look at this team and you go, okay, we got McTominay, Fred, and Matic. Okay, that's that's just awful. Maybe we All could right. put Von de Beek there, but that's a defensive issue, and he's not very direct with his passing. Uh, we could also put Bruno there, which is what United did in the second half uh, against Watford. And it's like, okay, but he's also got his defensive issues. You got the same issues with Pogba. So, like, there's there's five, there's six players there, and, like, all six of them are terrible options. So you're only going to make this and, – and right now Pogba's hurt, and Bruno has to be running on fumes at a certain point. So you're only going to make this – so much better this season, but you look at how people started to judge Solskjaer and basically be like, he's been here three years already, even though that first year he didn't really get to do anything. It was like, see out the season, then start your plan. Like why put yourself into that situation? Uh, like again. why not let someone else see out the put, season and then you could come situation in situation again, because he did right. the exact same thing a year ago with PSG. Right. Like why not just, let someone else see out the season. Then you walk in, and now now either Pogba is staying or going at that point. When you walk in, it's either we've re-signed Pogba or he's out. Um, and Ronaldo's now entering the final season of his, of his contract. So you can do – if you believe the team is better with him, you could play him. If you don't, you uh, cannot. You could get confrontational with him and start to face him out. And you can have an influence over, all right, like you you come in and you, you call up Ed Woodward or I, it'll probably be Ed Woodward because he's never going to leave at this rate. And you say, look, these are the guys we got to sign and we got to sign midfielders. We got to, and 
Now the clock starts on me starting to build these things. I would say in that situation, you could maybe use the January window as leverage as like, if you want me now, get me you have to make a move for someone, get, get me one or two players and I'll, I'll join right now. Like if he, if he can make that leverage, 100% who's available in January and, and the Godfather offer for Leon Goretzka and the, the risk you run there is, is someone put out this great tweet, this great thread last week on Twitter just talking about the actual rot within United. And and one of the things they said was, like, they were like, David Gill and Sir Alex Ferguson weren't perfect. But at the very least, they knew, like, we can't be Real Madrid. But we can make damn sure that we are the Bayern Munich of England. And that was what they strive for. And then, Wood, and then they left and Woodward came in. And his model was to copy Real Madrid from the least successful era of Real Madrid's modern history, except they were going to do it on the cheap. And so it was like, they'll splash 90 million for Paul Pogba. But after that, they're not going to buy the another two midfielders. That'll make it more. It's like, we're just getting Pogba and we're, and you're Zlatan. And, and, and now, and then it was okay. They got Bruno, um, but like I said before, it's the, it's the player, not the structure. So they sign Harry Maguire, and it's like, well, where's the structure behind that? And they're, they're just going to worry. It, it, Mata didn't work, and Di Maria didn't work, and Pogba didn't work. And they're, they're just going to sign. Then they, Ronaldo hasn't worked. Then it'll be Holland or someone else, the next shiny toy, where, where it's like buy the player and then buy more to supplement it. Like, you got to buy the 10, 15 million pound players who are going to fill out the squad and bully people and come in and do a job and come right, off the bench and all that. But you stuck him well, next like to Andrew. Andrew Herrera and Marouane Fellaini. Like, how is that going to make it better? And what happens when Pogba gets hurt? Like, you still don't have – when Pogba gets hurt, you don't have anybody there. There's nobody to come in. At the very least – and they, they freaking stumbled into this – because they signed Martial and then they got a left winger slash forward and Marcus Rashford through their academy. So at the very least, especially in that 17-18 uh, with Lukaku, like if Rashford or Martial got hurt, you had another one that could just slot in and was a like-for-like sub. But they don't have that really anywhere else in the squad. And the risk this you run is longer, you're right, sure. the risk you run is in January if 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 Pochettino comes or new manager X comes and says, you got to sign somebody in January. The risk you run is, all right, we'll sign a midfield. Let's say they assign Ruben Neves. He seems attainable, not that expensive. You run the risk of them. Then in the summer, be like, well, we just signed you Ruben Neves. So like, what do we need another midfielder for? And it's like, well, Ruben Neves is like a good depth piece, but we need someone not just better, but also like we need another one because what if Ruben Neves gets hurt? Well, hopefully we don't put Jimmy Garner on loan again. <laughs> hopefully Jimmy Garner is good enough to not go on loan. I, I hope Jimmy well. Garner is getting. He's not having a great season this year. Every possible yeah. steroid right now to get as big as possible. Paul Breath is having a good season. Jimmy Garner, not so much. Yeah, that's what. But, we, that but is, like again, that's but that's that's the very way of the board thinking. Like, oh, okay, like, well, maybe the the academy will develop another McTominay and we could put him out there, and we'll have a body. And it's like, yeah. yes, 
you very much need hardworking academy graduates, Fletchers, John O'Shea's, Danny Welbeck in your squad, Jesse Lingard. But you need them for specific games and specific roles. Game in, game out, you need better. Lingard's definitely getting frozen out by Pochettino. I mean, Lingard wants to leave, and he's made that abundantly clear. Can we talk about that for a second? The whole <laughs> Wingard rumors last season and how everybody used it to jump on a and and like play the blame game when it was like this is a scenario that's like kind of not really anybody's fault, but also kind of Jesse Wingard's fault. Like Jesse Wingard went and and eventually told David Moyes, eventually told West Ham, like I am gonna fight for my place at United. Solskjaer gave Wingard the the oh yeah, he's a big part of my plans, throwaway comment, kiss of death, the same way that he said it about Alexis and and Smalling and plenty of other players who have left. It was crystal clear you were not part of the plans by the way that you uh, didn't play before you went to West Ham. Like, at all. You, you basically stopped playing in January of 2020, and in January of 2021, you finally left. And... Ultimately, like you know, people like were using this to like blame Solskjaer for things. First of all, any promise that he made to any attacking player prior to August 27th goes out the window as soon as Ronaldo signs because that changes everything. So, mm-hmm. like that's not, I mean, that's not like bad man man management if if you tell a guy like this is how we, where we see you playing and then suddenly four weeks later Ronaldo becomes available and you rip your plan up and move to sign him. That's going to affect everybody else in the squad. There were reports that said Lingard was going to seek a move away if he didn't start the Southampton match, which is a laughable demand after you just won 5-1 against Leeds. And it was like, oh, if I don't get into this, if nobody gets dropped for me after winning 5-1, I'm going to try to move. Well, he didn't start against Southampton, and he didn't seek a move away, and ultimately, no offer came for him. Like, that's the thing is, he didn't really try to move away. If he wanted to leave, he it 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 yes. Did United put a price tag um, that was too high on him to price him out of a move for West Ham? Yeah, but West Ham never called and tried to negotiate it down. They weren't that. They were lukewarm on him. They were like, yeah, if you. Like, we are interested in having you, but then never actually acted upon that. They went out and signed a younger guy in his position. And no one else came calling for Jesse Lingard. And, like, sometimes that's just what happens. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot on Lingard, but... Um, Should have just taken I, the $15 million and ran, you know? Cause he, right, he, okay, he's, yes, I agree with that, but nobody offered $15 million. That's the whole yeah. thing is that West Ham never called up and said, um, here, we're, we'll give you 15 mil. All right, you want 25? You want 30? We'll offer 15. That call never happened. And part of the reason was because Lingard told them, I'm going to stay and fight for my place here. He's Teams been don't like really half make half those bids anymore it. because they won't bid on a player if they feel like the player is going to reject him. Yeah, that's the problem. He's been half in, half out uh, for the last year. And... The moment, yeah, the moment Ronaldo gets signed, it just completely changed the whole trajectory of the whole thing. But um, it is what it is. Although, 
if we see Lingard in Rossonieri or Blograna uh, next season, I may have to cop a shirt. I mean, Lingard going to Italy would be a good move for him. That's a league that'll yeah. suit him. And like, it's not surprising that he was a good player for West Ham under David Moyes, but he's not going to be a good player under Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Like they play different roles. They ask him to do different things. What David Moyes needs from the players in Lingard's position is very much what Lingard is good at. And what Ollie needed from the players in Lingard's position is not what he's good at. Um, all right. So I've got to go pretty soon. Um, do we, do we want to talk about Villarreal at all? I mean, Paul, you kind of said it all in terms of like the importance of this match and obviously three points away from, the safety of 10 points and going to the next round of the UEFA Champions League is on the line. Um, but in terms of what to expect from this and whether we actually show up or not, is there at the very least the like any sort of non new manager bounce that we, <laughs> that is in play here? Like, is there a, we're ashamed bounce that, <laughs> that could happen? I don't know how you can have a new manager bounce when the guy who's going to be the manager has been the dude who's been running your training sessions. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, where I summed like, it up was how do we go into this game with Michael Carrick? Uh, Ollie wasn't, and Ollie's like not that problem because the guy, like the team doesn't hate him. It wasn't like, oh, thank God the boogeyman's gone. Like we can play football right. now. Like the scapegoat is gone, but it's not the boogeyman. And Villarreal is matched up well against United. This could be the third time we've played them inside of six months. And Unai Emery has gotten his groove back. I don't like this matchup at all. I, I'm really, it, really nervous for Tyler. It's not, uh, it's not that, they, that they didn't like him, but they did lose faith in him. And they lost, or they lost faith in his tactics and that he could do it. But like, what, like, how are Michael Carrick's tactics going to be different than Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer's? Well, and if you lost faith in that, like that, it's the only thing that happened was they chopped off the figurehead. Yep. But well, everything else st out. is still there. Like, how different could we expect it to be? The one thing that I say we have going for us is the previous two matches, um, the previous two matches against Villarreal, we didn't have Harry Maguire, and we'll have him now. And I know, or we should have him. It'd be it'd be hilarious if he gets dropped because, like, There's... we saw, like, him, yes, he is in miserable form right now, and defensively he's been atrocious. But on the ball, and Villarreal lets us have the ball, we have been a disaster against them because we haven't had Maguire's calmness and Maguire's ability to carry it forward and pass it forward. Um, and that's hurt us. We also probably will have Fred, who also didn't play in the previous two games against Villarreal. So that'll give us a bit more bite in midfield. And we'll also have um, Ronaldo, who cares about winning the Champions League. Yeah, that's that's also true. Is You get Champions League Ronaldo, who is very good and has been very good this season. Much, much, much better than Premier League Ronaldo, which... 
I think the most important thing that they can do right now in training is convince and brainwash and incept Harry Maguire into thinking that they're playing San Marino or something tomorrow. Just tell them it's an international match because I don't know why that, that switch is just immediately flipped for him, but it, it, it was like night and day. I know they didn't play against the highest level international competition during that break, but but they he still, looks, like, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, he still looked much, much better than he, um, than he has for club. Well, part of that is, like, things in place and all yeah, that. You, run, you like, run good plays that somehow end up with your center back running wide open, like, peeling off the back edge, whereas United are like, oh, we'll put Maguire in here and we'll try to open him up. But England kind of made Maguire the last option on that set piece. So it was, like, uh, that first goal that he scored in the international break, and it was, like, Everybody was occupied with the middle, and Maguire just peeled off the end and ran in by himself. United would put Maguire as, like, the central figure and be like, oh, maybe maybe a chance comes for, you know, someone peeling off the back like McTominay or Lindelof. They just designed better set plays that result in Maguire getting wide open as opposed to United where it's like, hey – we're going to start here, everybody run to the middle, and we're going to try to put this ball onto Maguire's head, and he ends up winning the header, but, like, with a man on his shoulder, and, you know, he can't actually get much power behind it or much aim behind it. Well, and, and briefly back to your question about the new manager bounce, too, because all these other all these reports that have come out today, it's pretty hard to keep up with it. But, and this also goes back to the whole what the hell has management been doing? But allegedly the plan was to make Mike Phelan interim manager, but then the board thought to themselves, people might not like that. So let's make Michael Carrick interim manager. And so we're going to replace a United legend with a slightly lesser United legend. And we're at, we're at a point now where this is cyclical. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, the most, like, underappreciated United legend during his yeah, career. I know I made that joke where the vibesometer was so low that it was, like, digging a hole to China. Like, I mean, at this point, it's, out, it's like, it's gone all the way through the Earth's crust and then out. And now it's, like, in the atmosphere somewhere. Like, we are so far away from good vibes right now. And but, even a win, a surprise win tomorrow is not going to change that. Because guess what? We got Chelsea on the weekend. And they're gonna stomp our ass. The the vibes just blew out the airlock trying to dock improperly on the space station. Is that and, an interstellar reference? And the next manager is gonna have to dock while rotating at the same spin degree. I mean, <laughs> as, to make another uh, interstellar reference, space watching this watching this team right now feels like we're on that planet with the higher gravity. It's taken like seven years off my life every time I watch a game. Yeah. Um all right. So that's going to do it for us. Um, I guess if Villarreal ends up being worth talking about, we might do a short blip later this week. Um, that may be me and Matt. Um, that may be, you know, one of you two. I don't, I haven't talked about your Thanksgiving plans yet. Um, so yeah, but, um, if not, we'll see you next week and, uh, maybe we'll have more on the manager front to talk about. So thanks for listening. I'm Peter Zayn. <laughs>